0: i uh-huh. uh-huh. And welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing White Earp, Doc Holiday, and others from the film Tombstone. And joining me for the discussion is returning guest Chris Mav Maverick. Welcome back, Mav.
1: I am so excited. It's been so long since I've been on the show. Uh <laughs> but, but, but I'm actually so excited because we're is it's it has been so long since I've been begging for you to do this movie, mm-hmm. which is weird because again. I have my own podcast. <laughs> I could do this whenever I wanted to, but just I say, wanted to uh, do it here.
0: <laughs> we're doing an episode about favorite movies and you just do, you know, you just dive in. But no, you have asked for this for over a year, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and it's not like, oh, we, we don't want to get to that cuz I the the western is a genre that I think we probably underrepresented uh mm-hmm. on on this podcast. We we did a uh uh, Louis L'Amour, uh Western, and I'm like struggling to think: Do we do any other straight up westerns? We've definitely done some, hmm. some things that are western adjacent. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, it, it hasn't released at the time of this recording, but we have recorded an episode about the Valley of Guanji. Uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know, Western is such an important American genre, uh, and was so dominant for so long. It's kind of like, why well, you know, why haven't we, we done more? This isn't part of that no. classic uh you know era of like spaghetti westerns you know when when westerns were even more dominant than like it feels like superheroes have been for the last they, decade
1: okay <laughs> they were so as a as a student of pop culture right mm-hmm. there is a portion of american history where <laughs> you think people talk about having superhero burnout now <laughs> oh you don't know this was nothing this yeah. there, there's there's this there's this time where every week there's a movie by Clint Eastwood or John Wayne in theaters um, every week and I defy you to tell them apart um, <laughs> and I'm a fan but they're it's a lot <laughs> Uh-huh. And, and this period goes on for 30 years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like... and, and, well, and then it's, uh, we, we, get, uh, television, you know, is going to get in and on the act, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time, Gunsmoke was going to have the record for longest running TV yes. series in history. Uh, it's been surpassed by the Simpsons. <laughs> um,
1: oh, I wish I, I can't remember the year anymore. Um, I used to know this, but back when I used to teach more television stuff and there's a year in American television history, I want to say it's like 1957 or 58 or something like that. It, it's there's a, there's a year, where 19 of the top 20 shows on broadcast television our our westerns.
0: Yeah, like now everyone's like, oh, all the blockbuster films are superheroes, and the entire CW lineup is superheroes. It's like, well, there was an era where every bit of media, radio show, uh, television broadcast, and movies seemed to be (laughs) cowboys.
1: Cowboys was all we did. And and things that weren't cowboys, like they, like uh, there would be like weird, not quite western things where it's like, hey, this is a war movie, a civil war movie starring John Wayne, where he's a soldier. I mean, it's basically a western, but mm-hmm. technically it's a war movie. <laughs> there or, was a lot or, of that,
0: <laughs> or where it's like we're we're doing Genghis Khan, but it, like if you just but, change yeah. uh, uh, a few things, this is a western with John Wayne.
1: <laughs> and this goes from like this goes from like the late forties, early fifties, well, early fifties through the late seventies. Uh, so much so that w- so to give you a, a picture of it, when it's dying out in the late seventies. You know, we make Star Wars, which is basically just a Western.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Han Solo
1: is a cowboy. (laughs) Yeah. It's just we're going to do it's like, why don't we just we'll put him in space and it will be something new. And that's kind of how how Star Wars was sold back then.
0: Yeah. Uh, But we're talking about a 1993 Western. Uh, (laughs) This this film, Tombstone, it was written by Kevin Jarr, directed by George P. Cosmatos, and it starred Kurt Russell as White Earp and Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. And just a pretty impressive cast <laughs> the the rest of the way down. <laughs> you know, those, those are the headliners. Uh, but who else? Is it? Can you off the top of your head start uh, listening to the cast? Well, I'm trying to pull up the official list because I've only seen it once. <laughs> okay, You know this film far better than I do.
1: I know. The, yeah, I love this. So, okay. So most importantly, well, t- most importantly to me, uh, Mr. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott is a, is a massively underrated actor who I just hope one day gets lifetime achievement. Um okay. but he, he plays one of he plays the, the he plays Virgil Earp, who's White Earp's older brother. White Earp's younger brother is played by Bill Paxton. Um, his main love interest, uh, which is complicated, but Josephine, who is, um, one of his main love interests, is played by, uh, Dana Delaney, who's a huge Uh, actor. I like, uh,
0: one of is, is important there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and they're the, they're the main, they're the main actors for the film. Now also included in this are, Billy Bob Thornton in like two scenes for no apparent reason. Charlton Heston's in a scene. Jason Priestley, hot on on 90210 at that time, is a minor character in this movie. Powers Booth is in it. Um, Thomas Hayden Church. uh, Thomas Hayden Church is in it, who's not as famous as he would become, but is still famous in it. Frank Stallone, Sylvester Stallone's brother. Just in this movie, Michael Rooker. If you're a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy, Michael Rooker's in this movie. This just Michael Bean's in this yeah. movie. B- Billy Zane shows up, and it's like I recognize. Him. I yeah. was trying to play something. Like I recognize him. Is he the the fan? It is
0: Billy Zane. Yeah, Billy Zane <laughs> with hair. Is, is, oh, and uh, Terry O'Quinn from Lost, uh, John yeah. Locke from Lost. Is it? And he has such a distinctive voice. Like as soon as like he spoke, I'm like. That's John Locke.
1: That is is right. It's just, and it's just, Oh, and Robert Mitchum narrates the film. Yeah. 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 Robert Mitchum is the narrator. I was going to do that, do that in the the recap, but yes, Robert Mitchum famous, like not only so Robert Mitchum was cast to be uh, a, he was going to be the head of the Clanton family, which is um, sort of the the bad guys in this film. Um, And he, (sighs) broke his back or severely sprained his back horseback riding um, like weeks before filming. So they're like, well, we don't want to not have you in the movie. Why don't we just make you the narrator? And he's, yeah. so he's in it. <laughs> and it's, it's just this who's who of Hollywood because everyone wanted to be in this movie for some mm-hmm. reason. And then they, and when they were promoting it, they're all just, all over the place promoting it. I remember like Jason Priestley going on the talk show circuit to promote this movie. And then when I finally go and see it, I'm like, you're in like three scenes. What are you doing on this? <laughs> you're barely in it. But that's how, that's how it is. Uh Wyatt Earp the third, who is the actual Wyatt Earp's like cousin, fourth or fifth cousin, he's in it. <laughs> it just is up. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's he's a minor character just because they uh, wanted to they, they wanted to have him like sort of um, related well, for the PR, to I'm it. sure they wanted yeah. him yeah he's you know part of the family um, Harry Carey Jr. who is the son of actor Harry Carey who was a friend of Wyatt Earp's, um, is in it he plays Marshall Fred White it's just it's a Hollywood mega piece i mean it feels that like should not be good it should yeah, by a, a no means before, should this movie be good
0: <laughs> a decade before we had the outsiders that kind of did this and a decade yeah. later we're gonna get oceans 11 doing this kind of
1: thing where it's like yeah a,
0: a level of hollywood actor just kind of says do you want to go do something together and everyone's like
1: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and it should be it and given what what it is it, it feels like hey this is just a bunch of famous people hanging out in the movie so it's probably not very good except it is mm-hmm. <laughs> it's excellent and and i'm i'm worried about like um, okay, so I, I wrote the um, the recap. It's first time I've done it on your show. I'm worried about the recap because I don't know that I can make it sound good. It it by all rights, it's a movie about a bunch of horrible people shooting each other. It should be really bad. It should be a generic popcorn like it should be a western. You should go. Ah, oh, this is kind of a dumb, stupid guy movie, but it's not. It is such a heartwarming, touching movie. <laughs> it makes you cry. <laughs> I cry when I watch this movie. It is so yeah. I, I,
0: and it's 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 a movie that uh. Like, I think we get this too infrequently. Like, some of it is just about warm male relationships.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and, like, there, there's no no subtext. There's no, no, like,
1: discomfort with that. It's like, no, these guys just love each other. This is, this is just a bunch of men who love each other, you know, like <laughs> brothers. And some uh-huh. of them actually are brothers. But, yeah, it's just, it's about, it is about male bonding. It is such a touching story. And, again, no joke, I watched this. Yet again, last night, I've seen this movie dozens of times. Um, I watched it last night and I cry at the end of Tombstone. It is so sad and touching. Uh-huh. So. All
0: right. So uh, we'll get to the how we came to it. Uh, my, I watched it for the first time uh, last <laughs> night. Uh, t- t- I finally got around to it. I knew the film. I kind of remembered the marketing from when I would have been uh, like 10 or 11. Like, I do yeah. remember all the cowboy images, but I also knew of this film – as like one of the examples of when Hollywood makes the same film twice yes. uh, and releases it in the same year, like I, I, you do like a Dante's Peak in Volcano. Uh, yeah. and Volcano, technically not
1: the same year, but only because Tombstone was released on Christmas Day, nineteen ninety three, and, and, and so six months later, is, the White Story comes out, yeah, in the same movie but much worse.
0: And there's the, you know, there's also like um, uh, Armageddon and uh, Deep Deep Impact, Impact, you know, Mm -hmm. where where it's like, okay, why are the studios making the same movie twice? Uh, And there's always like some tonal differences within them, but mm -hmm. it's like, it seems a little odd. Now, uh, that's really was my familiarity with it was like, well, they did two white art films, uh, like less than six months apart from each other. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, well, at I, this time it was on purpose. So usually when that happens, it's parallel thinking. It's just that, like, you know, there'll be like, there'll be like, hey, people are we're as we get a Hubble telescope and we're worried about deep space We're we're starting to be worried about, oh, there's a lot of comets out there. And Earth, what if something bad happened? And so a couple people make them make, the, make a movie like that. In this case, uh, Kevin Costner was cast to be in Tombstone. Kevin Costner was was attached to this project. They wanted to, he wanted to do this movie about Wyatt Earp and they hire um they hire the writer for, uh, of this um, is a guy named Kevin Jarr um, writes the movie and Kevin Jar turns into a script that is about, you know, it's an ensemble piece about these men and the, and the incident surrounding the shootout at the okay corral. And Kevin Costner is like, no, no, no. I want to do a biopic about the the whole life of Wyatt Earp. And Kevin Jarr is like, no, and they, and they cannot, they cannot come to terms. The screenwriter and the star cannot come to terms. So Kevin Costner walks away from the picture and he walks away from, um, Hollywood pictures, Buena Vista pictures who made tombstone. And he goes over to the Warner brothers and says, I'm going to do this movie. So they, he literally left tombstone to go make Wyatt Earp story. So he could do it his own way. <laughs> and he could tell the story of wider in real time. Um, <laughs> the Wyatt Earp story is 3.
0: <laughs> That's a very it, it, Kevin Costner makes it, some long films in his career.
1: It's uh, It's 3 2, 310 315 something like that. It's I mean, a long what movie What is the longest it, Kevin Costner film. I don't know, <laughs> but it's but 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 Widerp comes on cuz I'm old enough to remember when when it came out on videotape. It comes out on it comes on two videotapes and mm-hmm. it feels like two videotapes. That movie is long and it is slow and like you're watching it going why is why is this still happening <laughs> it's not good <laughs> um but this movie i love and and by the way um it's more i'll talk later about some of the inaccuracies of tombstone white herb story far more accurate um this is tombstone is a better biopic it is mm-hmm. y- you've made a story out of these people's lives it's not a history book <laughs> white herb story tries to be like you know realistic to the actual life of white herb and it's just so slow <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. It I methodical. just Googled
1: longest Kevin costner movie. And like mm-hmm. immediately they're like,
0: okay, well Dances with Wolves and the Postman are both over three hours. Uh mm-hmm. but then it says that his he has a long just sitting western called Horizon that he is he is going to film as an 11 hour movie that he will then chop into episodes oh, for God. television.
1: Why? 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 <laughs> I like Westerns. It's too much. It's too much.
0: <laughs> and that's how he's describing it. It's, a, it's an 11 hour movie that will be shown in parts on television.
1: Zack Snyder should not be aspirational. This is not what you're looking for. No, <laughs> don't know. Stop. <sighs> okay. That's, so that's I guess
0: the, the question to uh, what is Kevin Costner's longer movie is about to change next year. I think is when this is coming out. <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. Uh. Do you remember when you first watched Tombstone? Was it in the theater? I saw it in theaters. Yeah, I saw it in theaters in theaters with friends. Um, I believe I first saw it in theaters with friends, and um, my mother saw it with her friends. It turned out to be one of these weird movies where. So I would have been I would have been nineteen when it came out. I was in college, Um, and my mother obviously much older than I am. Um, But it turns out that it's just a movie that we both love. So I've watched it several times with my mom. Uh, My mom is um, my mom to this day, has a massive crush on Val Kilmer. He's one of her favorite actors. She loves Real Genius. She loves Top Gun. Um, she loves him in Batman because um, my mom loves Val Kilmer. So she was obviously going to like this movie, and she wanted to see it. My mom's not as much of a movie person as I am. She doesn't go to nearly as many movies, but she's like, oh, it's got Val Kilmer. I'll go see it. And then she's like, oh, it's got Val Kilmer, and it's also really good. <laughs> it's insanely good. Um, And and so and it, it really is. This is a film where... Where Val Kilmer is trying to win an Oscar, um, it's it, it's a it's a movie that should be, it should be goofy. It's it, like I don't think I think what happened. It's not even nominated, by the way, and it's um looked at in in the annals of history as, as a as a as a, like a snub. People go, oh, Val Kilmer got snubbed for the Oscars for Tombstone. Um, and I because not even to not even get nominated for this brilliant role. I think a lot of the people who would be Oscar voters. Didn't even bother to go see it because it's a stupid Western that came out in 1993. How good could it have possibly been? And they just didn't know that it ended up being excellent. So. I, I mean, I've not seen every Val Kilmer film. This
0: is I was so impressed with the performance of this. This is my favorite Val Kilmer performance now is a yeah. stock holiday. Um I don't know that I had a list before, but this is at the top of the list. <laughs> he's really good in, He's really good
1: in heat as well. Okay. Yeah, he does um, another another excellent movie where, again, he's just he's trying to, like, show that I'm a real actor, you know, yeah. and and they're casting him in the action movies. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I mean, there's the a period for Val Kilmer films where he's he's the blockbuster male lead, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, the the uh, pretty face in, in Top Gun and he's going to be Batman. He's going to be the sage. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's 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 doing things where uh the expectation isn't a great performance. Not saying he did a bad job in any of those, but the expectation isn't that you're, you're leaning into all of your actorly skills to, to take on these roles in this performance. I was like, he is, he's just acting his heart out in every, in every single (laughs) scene. And the makeup artist is making him look so sickly. So Mm -hmm. he's, he's ill in this. And, uh, Sometimes I'm like, how much spray bottle water do they use uh, to, to make them sweat in some of these scenes? Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, they filmed So all the costumes, it's going to channel my co-host Monica uh, for a moment and talk about costuming. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted this to be period accurate. So they filmed it in Arizona and all the costumes are made of wool because Ooh. that's what they would have had. So they are just sweating. Yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> they really let sweat. him sweat. <laughs> and uh, they let him sweat because he's yeah. supposed to have he's supposed to be sick. So they're all they're all overheated and he is and they were like, Oh, can't we just like do like cotton, maybe a polyester, make him look like wool? And they were like, so they No, breathe. authenticity. <laughs> so everyone's everyone's in wool and he is um and he is being overheated even more so because they want him to look like he's dying.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, really, really great performance. Uh, so because this is one of your favorite films, you pulled up a, a quite a bit of trivia and you also wrote the summary. So I'm going to turn some time over to you to run through <laughs> some of this trivia here.
1: Um, OK, so, yeah, I already said it was originally intended for for Kevin Costner. He walks away, makes the other one. It's bad. Don't go see it. Um, Like all biopics, liberties are taken with Tombstone. Many liberties are taken with Tombstone. Um, we said that Kevin, I'm sorry, we said that Wyatt Earp has two love interests in this film. Um, when the film starts out, he is married to, it's introduced like it's his first wife. It's actually in real life. Um, Maddie is Wyatt's third wife. Um, Wyatt was married young and his wife died the same year they got married. She, she, she They got married, she got pregnant, and then she died of typhoid while she was pregnant. So he never had any kids with her. Um, that was his first wife. His second, his, all of his other wives, he was mar- married in quotes uh, four times, but the latter three are all common law marriages. So he, um, so Arilla um, is his first wife. And the second wife is Sally, um, Sally Heckle, um, who's a prostitute that he marries in 1872, or he becomes common law married to in, in 1872. And then she probably, leaves him sometime that year as well because you know common law is actually common law marriages are actually really common in you know the less civilized places in America in the 1870s but also the difference between marrying and dating at that time is vague you know they were living together as husband and wife um so Sally leaves and then he marries Cecilia Ann also known as Maddie in this movie Blaylock who um sometime around 1878 um, it's unclear because Cecilia Ann also goes by Selly. She goes by both Maddie and Selly. But Selly sounds a lot like Sally. So there are documents that refer to her as Sally Blaylock, which we know are supposed or Sally Earp, but since his other wife was also Sally Earp, there's stories where they're not sure which one's which. Mm-hmm. And then in this film, there's an overlapping of the relationships with Josephine. Um played by Dana Delaney in this movie and with Cecilia uh, or Maddie um they their relationships overlap in this film we're not sure if they did in, over, in real life or not there were reports that they did um that he was having an affair but um his sister-in-law after his death was like no that didn't happen you know he just he they, you know, they one 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 relationship ended, and then he went on to the next, and is what um is what his sister in law said, and we don't know. So um the this movie went with the argument that he was cheating on one with the other. So that's um. But um Josephine is an actress and possibly also a, pro- a prostitute. And after um after the events of t- of Tombstone, the film, uh Josephine and Wyatt stay together. For the rest of their well, for the rest of his life, he lives. He lives to be like eighty-one. She out, she outlives him by a by a decade or two. Um, and they um, sh- they are very very good at managing their PR. Um, so the weird thing is, we're not true how many we're not sure how many stories about Wyatt Earp's life are true and what's not because Josephine and Wyatt are very very good at controlling the narrative. Um. He certainly was involved in the stuff in the events of Tombstone and the events of the of the Earp Vendetta, which is what this is historic moment is actually called. Um, But there's a lot of murder going on. So, you know, a lot of it's probably secret. So there had to be speculation in order to make these films Uh Um, and 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 like people filling in gaps um, for um, and tombstone unlike the white Herp story tries to simplify a lot of that there are only three brothers in this movie in reality Wyatt is one of 10 children seven of whom lived lived till adulthood um five of whom were in tombstone and okay. <laughs> and they and two of the brothers james and warren they just drop from the movie they're just like nope three, three is enough uh-huh. <laughs> james and james and warren are not that important so they just don't show up in the movie um, and that's, so that's where they're going for. Um, and then other little bits are like, uh, um, the, m- one of my favorite little bits of the film is there's a, 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 it's not in, um, it's not in my recap, but there's a opening shot where they kind of w- roll into tombstone and there is a tombstone outside of the city of tombstone that, um, a gravestone that says here lies less or more four slugs from a 44, no less, no more. That is really there. That is really in tombstone to this day. That is the tombstone tombstone. It refers to an actual man named Lester Moore, who was a Wells Fargo agent who was murdered um, in Naco, Arizona um, in 1880 and buried in tombstone. Um, <laughs> uh, and and that's uh, and 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 it's just become the the um, the marker for the city of tombstone and is till this and is to this day. Um other stuff that are that are things are just like things that will be details that i'll talk about afterwards because they're spoilers about like mm-hmm. what we know that might be historically inaccurate so
0: uh okay uh, thank you so much for gathering <laughs> all that uh and i i will just say uh i i knew like part of me is immediately like okay this like some of the, some of the storytelling here gets done in like quick montages. And it's like, yeah, this is a little too neat. <laughs> you know <laughs> what, what we're getting here. But at the same time, I didn't care. It was no. a well-told story. Yeah. Uh, you know <laughs> what they were trying to do. They did well in this. Mm-hmm. Um, And at, it, it's really interesting to me to like, look back at this cast. Um, you, Like you, we went through the list. Like there's just so many great actors that are in here, and, but maybe one of the most shocking things to me when I started to watch this, was this film is from 1993, mm-hmm. and Sam Elliott is playing a wizened old cowboy with a giant mustache who <laughs> looks exactly like he looks now. <laughs> yes, like was he born with a mustache, and did he start playing wizened old cowboys
1: <laughs> at age four? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when, we were, when we were planning the episode, um, I actually asked you. It's like, have you ever seen Sam Elliott without a mustache? And you looked at uh, he he looks wrong. It, it, <laughs> it looks it looks incorrect I, I mean I have seen him in stuff it feels no like uh
0: an uncanny valley AI yeah. generated <laughs> yeah. image to see Sam Elliott without the mustache
1: yeah, he I mean to me I would say it looks like I mean it's not like he looks not like a human but uh-huh. he looks too much like Sam Elliott but not enough it's like yeah, someone exactly. uh, <laughs> it, it's like someone was drawing Sam Elliott and forgot to do part <laughs> It's just like, why is, why is that portion of your face missing? Because uh-huh. he's supposed to have this. He's supposed to have um, a period accurate for 19, uh, for, for 1880 mustache. That's, mm-hmm. And I realize it's 2023, <laughs> and he should still have that mustache, and he does.
0: <laughs> and I will also just say, just in general, the facial hair game in Tombstone is very strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is yeah, across yeah, the board. Dang, like, good styling. We, we, great we, styling here. There's nothing wrong with signaling, you know, uh, know, going in on Sam Elliott to talk about facial hair, but the whole cast is really uh, they're they're enjoying the chance to grow some old timey mustaches.
1: (laughs) Oh, Uh, I guess extra trivia is they there were, I believe, no Oscar nominations for Tombstone because, again, nobody saw it. Now, uh, Val Kilmer would not have won the Oscar because it's a busy year. 93 was a very busy year. He would have been up against, you know, Tombstone would have been up against like Schindler's List, you know. There yeah. Oh, that's it's, the it's year that year.
0: um it's also like
1: that's the year just in terms of
0: awards, like if you want to go popular or artistic, Steven Spielberg released both Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, okay, well, <laughs> everything else is just going to need to step aside here.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so so I get it, but but a nomination a nomination would have been right. So, um oddly enough, the winner for best actor for 1993 was uh, Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive,
0: right? Um, uh, for best supporting actor, yeah, which is uh, great. But, uh, he his performance in there is amazing. Yes,
1: yeah. and the and the people who got the other nominations were Leo DiCaprio for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, uh, Ray Fe- Ray Fiennes for Schindler's List, uh, John Malkovich for In the Line of Fire. And Pete Pastowait for in the name of the Father, which I have seen and I remember nothing. So that's the one that didn't. Yeah, stick- maybe that <laughs> one could have been swapped out here. Yeah, for <laughs> Val- <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 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 I I think in the name of the Father is good. I I mean like I actually just I don't really remember it well. It's been I mean it's been thirty years. I get it. <laughs> but
0: <laughs>
1: so. so. All
0: right, well, uh, listeners, thank you for downloading this episode and joining us. We especially want to thank any of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the fantasy box office game for 2023 and also any media that we've been consuming lately. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month and more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. Now, Mav, we're going to go on to uh, turn to you for the summary of Tombstone. <laughs>
1: you asked me if i if i could write the the summary for this and i was like i'm pretty sure i can do it from memory <laughs> yeah i don't need to rewatch the film <laughs> <laughs> i actually did rewatch it again cuz i cuz i love the movie but 1879, the Civil War is over, and the resulting economic explosion spurs the Great Migration West. Farmers, ranchers, prospectors, killers, and thieves seek their fortune. Cattle growers turn cow towns into armed camps with murder rates higher than those of modern-day New York or Los Angeles. Out of the chaos comes legendary lawman Wyatt Earp, retiring his badge and gun to start a peaceful life for his family. Earp's friend, John Doc Holliday, a southern gentleman turned gunman and gambler, also travels west, Um, hoping the dry climate will relieve his tuberculosis silver is discovered in Arizona tombstone becomes queen of the boon towns where the latest Paris fashions are sold from the backs of wagons attached to to the atmosphere of greed over 100 exiled Texas outlaws band together to form the ruthless cowboy the ruthless gang recognized by the red sashes they wear the cow they emerge as the earliest example of organized crime in america they call themselves the bar, the cowboys that is um the narration that robert Mitchum puts at the beginning of the scene and uh, of the film it's like the first things you hear and it is literally everything you need to know for the rest of the movie
0: yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's like doing the the lord of the rings like uh, yeah. here's the world building yeah <laughs> <You
1: know>? and <laughs> and by the way it's like the first hour of the the kevin costner version of the film <laughs> it's like building up to this and don't need any of it anyway Anyway, White moves to Tombstone, Arizona, with his brothers Morgan and Virgil and all of their respective wives. Upon arriving in Tombstone, Wyatt is immediately approached by the U.S. Marshals and asked to join up. He declines. He says he's done with that life and he wants to move on. The Marshals tell him that they've never met a rich man who didn't have a guilty conscience, to which Wyatt replies, I already have a guilty conscience, might as well have the money too. There's some You're really good do. one-liners in this. Yeah, it's constant. Every, I did not put every, every quote in the recap, I promise, but there are so many. <laughs> uh, the Earps are joined by Wyatt's old friend, uh, Doc Holliday, who's a dentist turned gambler and has also moved to, to Tombstone. As they settle in, the Earps quickly learn that the, uh, learn of the reign of terror of the cowboy gang and the Cochise uh, County Sheriff, John Behan, is loosely in cahoots with them. However, the Earps are still repeatedly declined to get involved. Instead, they enter the casino business, a deal they get when Wyatt beats up the previous crooked dealer and literally throws him out on his ear. It's uh, <laughs> uh, Billy Bob Thornton's yes, played by <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> Around this time, Doc strikes up a, ri- a rivalry with Johnny Ringo, an oddly educated and intellectual, but apparently sociopathic member of the Cowboys. And Wyatt begins an affair with Josephine Marcus, a traveling actress with whom he shares a mutual attraction. One night, one of the Cowboys' leaders... Curly Bill broches gets uh, gets high on opium and starts fi- randomly firing his gun in town square when Wyatt no longer a lawman refuses to intervene to intervene tombstone tombstone town marshal Fred White attempts to disarm Curly Bill on his own Bill shoots White co- dead in cold blood which finally forces Wyatt to get physical he knocks out and apprehends Curly Bill. The cowboys attempt to save Curly Bill from arrest, but the Earps and Doc run, uh, run interference, and they run off the remaining cowboys and turn Curly Bill over to the authorities. However, Curly Bill is acquitted because no eyewitnesses are willing to come for, uh, for, forward and testify. Fed up with the lawlessness, Wyatt's older brother Virgil decides to succeed Fred White as town marshal and immediately deputizes his younger brother Morgan. Wyatt still refuses to join in. Because uh, um, because all those years I worked all those cow towns, I was only ever mixed up in one shooting, just one. But a man lost his life and I took it. You don't want to know how that feels, Morg. Believe me, boy, you don't ever want to know. Not ever. Virgil, Virgil enacts a new town ordinance against carrying a gun within city limits. Thanks Obama, which angers many residents. Yeah, very much is you know present prescient for today. <laughs> um, in particular, the cowboy gang. As tensions rise, Wyatt eventually agrees to be deputized, and the Earps and Holiday confront the five cowboys at the OK Corral. A gunfight in, uh, ensues, and in the aftermath, three cowboys are left dead, and Virgil and Morgan are wounded. In retaliation for the gunfight at the O.K. Corral, the cowboys ambush the Earps individually. Morgan is killed. Virgil loses the the use of one arm, and the wives are terrorized and only survive because Josephine arrives just in time to warn them of the attack. After Morgan's death, the Earps tell the cowboys that they've won and they're leaving town. However, this is a setup. As Virgil leaves... (coughs) Uh, I'm sorry, as, Bert, as Virgil boards a train with 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 the Earp wives, the, cowboys, um, the cowboy hit squad pursuing them is ambushed by Wyatt, who reveals that he has joined the U.S. Marshals and formed a cowboy hunting posse, along with Doc and their friends, Texas Jack Vermillion, Turkey Creek Jack Johnson, and reformed cowboy Sherman McMasters. And he says, I see a red sash, I kill the man wearing it. Wyatt and his posse travel the countryside on a vendetta, hunting the cowboy gang as Doc's health deteriorates. Despite being ordered to to bed rest, Doc refuses to abandon Wyatt. When asked why he won't go home and rest by Turkey Creek Jack Johnson, Doc will only answer that this is because Wyatt Earp is my friend. When When Turkey Creek says that he has lots of friends, Doc simply answers, I don't. I love that scene. <laughs> yes. So much. And you want and that's where I cry. I literally cry every time I watch it. It's yeah, it's like, just like, so touching. It's it, like <laughs> it, just Val Kilmer's delivery of I don't. Yeah, Ugh, that's like. why it's like, oh, he has no friends. He's really he's willing to die because he literally has no other friends. And it's so it is so touching. There's an earlier scene where where Wyatt tells uh Wyatt tells uh Doc that he doesn't have to get involved because after after um after Morgan is shot. You don't have to get involved. They're not your brothers. And and Doc looks at him and says, "That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me." And then Wyatt's like, "Oh, sorry, went too far. All right, <laughs> never, never mind." Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is. Th- so that's the relationship they have in this film. Um, anyway, uh, when Ringo kills McMaster's and challenges Wyatt to a duel, Doc gets out of his deathbed and takes Wyatt's place, killing Ringo and finally settling settling their feud. Wyatt's possibly
0: Ringo then- had had several like. Uh, this scenes. is the rivalry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, where they qu- they they quote Ladden at each other. It's it's very it's very unique and odd. <laughs> uh-huh. um, um, Wyatt um, Wyatt's posse then hunts the remaining cowboys. Sometime later, Wyatt visits Doc in a sanatorium to show that it, show his best friend the book that he has written about their adventures. Doc tells um tells Wyatt to go after jo- Josephine and live a happy life. And then he finally consumes so comes to his consumption. Wyatt and Josephine live happily ever after, according to Mitchin. Mitchum, up or down, thin or flush. In 47 years, they never left each other's side. Wyatt Earp died in Los Angeles in 1929. Among the pallbearers at his funeral were early Western stars William S. Hart and Tom Mix. Tom Mix wept. That's the last line in the movie.
0: Yeah, I, I,
1: I will say <laughs> the last line did not land for me. Like,
0: what? <laughs> it's, why are we talking about these early Western stars?
1: <laughs> it, 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 well, OK, so in real life, Wyatt Earp... Um, directly inspires the cowboy Western tradition mm-hmm. that we were talking about. He is a consultant yes. on all those movies. No, and and I, I'm completely yeah. fine with that part. <laughs> yeah. And then, and, and so it was like all these early Western stars are really sad when he dies. And the Tom Mix wept is trying to do the Jesus wept thing from the Bible. And yeah. it, it, and, I mean, it's fine, but in a movie where you have, I'm your Huckleberry, is one of the most quotable lines in the movie. And there's just constant, like, one liners throughout the entire movie. You know that, like, leaving you on this, Tom Mix wept is supposed to be, like, really touching. And it's like, no, the really touching line is, I don't have any friends. (laughs) That's that's where, that's the part that's at. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. This, I wanna say, great movie. I also wanna say, at times, it, is so like surface level and telling you what to feel <laughs> like the opening scene of the Cowboys is them shooting up a wedding and then uh, Ringo killing a priest who's unarmed. Yes. And then the opening scene of Wyatt Earp is him stopping someone from
1: beating a horse. It's like, okay. We're supposed to hate them right. and like him. This is, this is the good guy because he likes animals. This is the bad guy because he killed a priest in cold blood and then quoted uh, and then quoted lines from Revelation about the four horsemen of the apocalypse at the priest. In Lat, what Johnny Ringo is literally a cartoon sociopath of an evil genius. Like mm-hmm. he is just flat evil in this movie. And and you're and you know from the first second you see him, it's like, oh Johnny Ringo, I hate him.
0: <laughs> Who played Johnny Ringo again? Who was that? Uh,
1: oh, uh, I actually uh, don't know. John- yeah. Johnny Ringo is played by oh Bean, yeah Michael Bean.
0: Okay. I think he does a good job, but I could also think of like so many other creepy actors that I kind of <laughs> wanted in that role, like Christopher Walken in that role. <laughs> you
1: know? I, I, lo- I loved, I love beans performance in this. Yeah. I, like, yeah, I'm not knocking that at all, but just like
0: you said, it, it is this almost cartoonishly sociopathic character that I'm like, mm-hmm. I can think of a lot of actors who would really have hammed it up.
1: <laughs> there is a scene where when, you, when, when, when Ringo and doc first meet each other, Ringo is speeding, speaking in Latin just because Ringo does that sort of thing because he responds right Ringo knows that everybody around him is an idiot Ringo knows he's smarter than everybody else so he just he's the kind of guy who flaunts his intelligence he speaks in he speaks in Latin to no one you know accurate Latin but he's just making himself feel good about being smarter than everybody else and then Doc responds and from that moment they hate each other just Mm -hmm. because they're both intelligent and like Doc even says to his girlfriend to Kate um That's Latin, hun. Um, means It means Johnny Ringo's an educated man. I think I hate him because, like you said, (laughs) it's really over. And then he's like, then later Ringo says something else in Latin. He's like, nope. I'm sure I hate them. <laughs> you know, it's so good. <laughs> but yeah. it's just, well, like, they just uh, hate each other because of that. Yeah, so some of this is so text, not
0: subtext. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's also, like, a lot of the class. like, there's some beautiful uh, wide shots of wide open Arizona, you know, where they're filming. And just, you're drinking in the ambiance of uh, an Old West film. And they do some of the, like, the classic uh, mise-en-scene of old west films where like the, mm-hmm. the bad guys are always writing right to left across the screen and the good <laughs> yes. guys go left to right because right. <laughs> we get a little uncomfortable when things are moving right to left across the screen because we read literature left to right uh <laughs> and like uh, again it's like opening scene i'm seeing this I'm like okay i know what i'm supposed to feel uh and then they tell us what to feel and like part of me wants to say this is this is kind of surface level but another part of me is like it works i was fully manipulated and uh it Every, everything worked. I, <laughs> is, no, no
1: notes. No complaints. It this. is perfect textbook manipulation as a, cinema, as a cinematographer. Like, literally everything about this is like, oh, uh, so <laughs> I, here's where I realized this movie was brilliant. I, I always liked it. But once I started really analyzing it, and we'll get into this, like, one of the things that I realized about this is, um, and in real life, and this is more obvious when you watch um, the White Earp story. But in real life, White Earp's not a nice person. Mm-hmm. Doc Holliday is a horrible person these oh, are yeah. murderers well <laughs>
0: they, they the opening gives you doc holiday as kind of a chaotic neutral who's gonna end up leaning good all yeah, right like exactly. i think that's what we're supposed to read about doc Holliday. but the movie really wants to frame Wyatt earp as a noble hero who's shouldering a burden he doesn't nearly want to, a messiah
1: it, but right. he's but he's not he's a, like literally what he's doing in a lot of ways is actually selfish and deplorable but mm-hmm. the movie is isn't about i mean It kind of positions him as your white hat wearing hero, even, you know, versus the black hat wearing bad guys, even though everybody actually wears a black hat in the movie. But like it positions you to think of this as a good cowboy versus bad cowboy movie. And so you've seen that trope. So you go with it and you're willing to just accept that. And I think that allows you to buy into the deeper meaning, which is this is a story about male bonding and brotherhood among absolutely toxic, masculine individuals <laughs> like every Wyatt and Doc are awful. Wyatt in this film is a philanderer. He's cheating on his wife yep. in front of her.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, it, it, it try like it, you're it gives you enough wiggle room that you can say he's only emotionally like investing himself in this other relationship but like there's also enough implicit like okay he's, he's
1: yeah there's no on. yeah this is <laughs> there's no visually this is not uh, this is again not a children's movie um but visually this is not like there's not nudity in it mm-hmm. it's it's subtext but it's pretty obvious that oh oh yeah. they're they when they went riding affair. off with the horses yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they're riding off with horses together and then it,
0: it cuts mm. to uh like panning over and they're laying out a blanket for a picnic it's like mm. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and 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 they're. i mean when he meets josephine like um uh uh, uh i think i don't know i said one of the lines i don't remember the exact uh, the, exact line but I, is that Oh no! I I think this is actually when when uh, when Wyatt sees Josephine. Um, Josephine plays the devil in a, mm. in a production of Faust, uh, and then Dr. she I takes have off have the devil mask. mask. Yeah, and 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 um and and Wyatt says, "Oh, I'll be damned!" And just Doc looks at him and is like, "You may indeed." <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's so it's and then and then Maddie is just sitting right next to them while they're openly talking about the fact that why is attracted gonna have to an the affair story. with this woman yeah and it's it's uncomfortable <laughs> for maddie yeah. like for us for mm-hmm. us to watch maddie it's uncomfortable to watch and you're like that's creepy but
0: and, and, and i mean the movie tra- yeah. does try to film or, or position maddie in some way as like a wet blanket downer because she's struggling with a drug addiction yes, she's uh an she's an opiate she's, she's mentally checked addict. out and emotionally checked <laughs> out from the relationship with wyatt that we see and yet You can't feel good about why he's doing this.
1: A lot of it he caused. (laughs) Uh
0: Yeah. And so when we say like so much of this is just kind of surface level, we're supposed to root for white Earp, that's the one relationship. where like, why is so much of this making me not like white? When so much of the rest of the film is trying to make me feel like he's wearing the white hat, riding in to save the day as a chosen one, taking on a burden that he doesn't want to bear. (laughs) And I'm not sure. He doesn't even.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's so he, the way the actual ERP vendetta happened, so, okay, I, I've already read this. I can, now I can give the spoilers. They are, the cowboys are bad people. And have, so so for listeners, in the 1880s, the word cowboys is not used the way we use it today. Uh, cowboys of, of, you know, American lore are... Mostly an invention. <laughs> um, yeah. they're, they're a fictional invention that came that happened later. Um, With that the, 50s era uh, media yeah. that we were talking about. <laughs> right. The, um, the impression of what a cowboy is that you have is based on trying to be a character like Wyatt Earp. The job of being a cowboy, where you're somebody rustling cattle, in the 1880s, they would have actually called that the cow hands. So um, a cow hand is somebody who is a shepherd of, of cows. Um, the cowboys in this movie, the cowboy gang, is an alternate name that was sometimes used for the, um, the McLaurin-Clanton gang, which was a real, a real gang in real life that really did include Ike Clanton, uh, Curly Bill Brocious, uh, Johnny Ringo. These guys are actually in this gang. Um, for the film, they invented the red sash thing because it was kind of cool looking for a movie. Um, Yeah, I was gonna say that the (laughs)
0: mechanics of that were like uh, a couple of them like I I surrender by throwing down the red sash. I'm like, I feel like no one be wearing a red sash once this war started. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, it it seems to be an invitation to shoot me.
1: Right. Uh -uh. And and really, I mean, why it is very clear for most of the movie that he does not want to be involved, which, you know, is fair. Like, I don't want to be a cop either. Right. Like, and so he had tried being a cop. He didn't like it. And now he's like, I just want to be a businessman. Maybe I'll try to own a casino. Like, that's that's a thing that he decides. And that should be reasonable. But the reason he agrees to become a, a U.S. Marshal is because he, you know, wants revenge for the murder of his brother. And then he hunts down and kills these men in cold blood, which he and he uses his badge as a shield.
0: Yeah, because um, earlier on he very much says like, uh when uh oh what what's curly the guy's Bill. name? Yeah, curly, Bill, curly, curly starts, Bill, yeah. Starts shooting at the. Uh, he's like he needs uh, to go to jail. At the moon, and then he he kills it. Yeah, he's like he needs to go to jail. We don't be just lynch a man right now. There yeah. needs to be a trial. That's mm-hmm. what justice is. So he he tells us the right answer. He understands. And then the film gives us all the hero shots of him doing the wrong thing.
1: Yeah. And, and, and in real life, so this is where it becomes questionable. Um, In real life, a lot of the cowboys, um, the, the Clantons and and the McLaurins died in unclear ways where we're not sure. Um, And so, um, and their murders have often not been solved, but like, it was probably Wyatt what, and Doc right. and their friends. Yeah. Um so but like that one, you know, cops aren't really allowed to do that, even US Marshals. You're supposed to bring people to justice. And the cowboys weren't brought to justice. Most of them died in, you know, at best bar fights. Um mm-hmm. and and so we know that the Earps and and, and Doc and, you know, Texas Creek, that like we know they were involved in this. So that's probably why Wyatt eventually agreed to become a U.S. Marshal. He wanted a badge to to hide behind, so he could go murder the people who murdered his brother. And that's really kind of dark. So the movie yeah. instead, so the movie instead, kind of says, "Well, we're montage just going to give you all this in a montage." Score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Johnny Ringo. We don't know. So in the movie, Johnny Ringo is killed by Doc Holliday in order to because he tell, Doc tells tells Wyatt, "You're not fast enough. You can't beat him." And so Wyatt it says, all right, well, I'm going to go off to my death. And then doc goes off and doesn't instead because doc's a better gunfighter. And, um, and, but in real life, Johnny Ringo's murder was never solved. Johnny Ringo was found dead next to a tree and no one knows how he got there. <laughs> and, and like, some people say it was doc. Some people say it was Wyatt. Some people say it was about, you know, Johnny Ringo was not a nice person. So there were a lot of people who had reasons to kill him. So there's like three or there's like four or five, six suspects total. Um, depending on different historians who are like, yeah, any one of these people could have killed Johnny Ringo. He almost certainly had it coming. He was a murderer, (laughs) but, Uh but like no one knows who did it. So the movie gives you, the movie invents this thing where Doc Holliday gets off his deathbed to go kill Johnny Ringo for, for, for Wyatt because he loves him. And that's what makes the movie work. What makes the movie work is that even though they're awful, it is, it is an unironic and un, unquenching like uncynical and, right and cynical so many relationship,
0: love. yeah mo- uh, movies have uh, since the 90s on really have have like this layer of cynicism or uh like winking at the camera of like well you know we're friends but not like that oh you know no,
1: none of that they <laughs> yeah the,
0: these men just love each other and will die for each other
1: and they're and 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 don't make a secret of it right like so one of the 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 thing that Kate, who's um, Doc's girlfriend slash common law wife, Kate and Doc most argue about the fact that he loves Wyatt more than he loves her. Like and she's aware of it. She's like, uh, there's a lot of Kate saying you're sick. You need to be in bed so we can have a good life together. And Doc going, no, I got to go help Wyatt. And she's like, why? Like, why do you have to do this? Why would you? Why are you leaving me here? And he's like, "Well, why it needs me?" And that's the mentality of it, which is sad for his relationship with Kate. But the point—I mean, the women are not treated the best in this film. No, it's Uh, um,
0: and and, and really don't come across as fully fleshed-out characters that the screenwriter was taking a whole lot of time on.
1: Right at best, Josephine does. She's got a little more to do than other than, but she's not even great. You know, (laughs) Um, the story is about. It's a this is a story about how much Wyatt and Doc especially love each other and also Virgil and Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, so Morgan, Morgan dies because he's trying to be a good brother. Like v- Morgan doesn't. Uh, so Virgil, Virgil wants to to, to have law and order. Virgil's like, you know what? There's got to there's got to be some law, you know, <laughs> like yeah, that. Or,
0: or we can't live here if there's no yeah, law. basically. Right. Right. and and, and, and no one else is doing it so i will so ver uh he right. he steps up and then and morgan, morgan says it. you got to back be a your brother's good brother. play yeah that, oh, the line yeah i got to back it. my brother's
1: play that's <laughs> it and he's and he's not thought about it any more than that like morgan's morgan just wants to have you know he's he's the youngest of them at least in the movie he's not actually the youngest brother but he's the youngest brother in the movie and he's um and he you know he's recently married he you know he's recently found god and he's like and he's like he just wants to have a a nice relationship with his wife maybe raise some kids but he's like but you gotta back your brother's play so i guess i'm i guess i'm gonna be a cop now because virgil says we we need cops (laughs) and that's and that's how he so it gets him killed and you feel like when you watch the film you feel like Of course he'd do do that because he loves his brothers so much. In fact, he tells Wyatt, he's like, yeah, I'm backing Virgil up because he asked me to. And I thought, well, what would, why, like Virgil, I'm sorry, Morgan is confused when Wyatt doesn't want to be deputized because he's like, because Morgan's like, I'm just doing what I thought you would do. It's literally like you taught me that you we've got to do everything for our brothers. So I'm doing what I expect you to do. Why don't you want to do this? And and why it is, you know, I don't want to get killed. It's kind of <laughs> kind of yeah. why,
0: why I, I'm trying to leave that part of my life behind me. Right. <laughs> uh, right. A lot of gunfights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like talking about it I see so many of like these these parts where it's like it feels like there's some contradictions and themes, and they're they're definitely hand waving some of the messier narrative parts away through soaring music and montages that make you feel good, uh, <laughs> you know, through these action sequences, and uh, and yet it makes me feel good through these action sequences, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like 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 they pull off the trick, and we can see the strings, like like you, <laughs> you, it's like you're at the magician show, and, and you're like, I know how they saw the lady in half, and yet I'm kind of like smiling like a kid, like. <laughs> he saw the lady in half <laughs>
1: um, When Wyatt and Doc And uh, Turkey Creek and, and Texas Jack And, and uh, Sherman I, I, Yes I actually know the entirety of the numbers <laughs> And Sherman Masters When they when they all the, When they finally get cornered by Curly Bill's Portion of the gang And they meet up at this creek And mm-hmm. they're on opposite sides of the creek And the cowboys have them pinned down And there's a moment They're where,
0: outnumbered and outgunned
1: right? And Wyatt's just like you know what I'm grabbing my shotgun and I'm just going to run towards the, towards the river and start firing. And I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. And we kick into slow motion as why it goes, no, it just starts pumping, pumping lead all, around. And it's frankly, it is the corniest thing in the movie. Oh, yeah. It is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And it is, and it is such a hero moment. You watch it and you're like, yeah, go kill him. <laughs> it's so like, you talk about seeing the strings. It is cliche. And silly and ridiculous. And it's a it's a thing where he suddenly has superpowers and he's sitting there with this gun just sort of firing at bad guys who are all firing at him and miraculously missing him. And, and but by- and- Yeah. And by the way, this apparently happened in real life. Wyatt Earp was never shot in his entire career. He's in he's in like he's he's renowned in the old west as he never took a bullet at all. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of odd because, you know, both of his brothers did. Um, Even Doc was grazed at the at at the shootout at the OK Corral. Wyatt's apparently got magic powers and in that scene he very directly just has magic powers and don't worry about it because it's you know it's a movie (laughs) well and even then like that sequence you said it's the cheesiest sequence Mm -hmm. it's also like as i'm
0: watching it part of me is saying like this actually isn't very well shot and edited (laughs) (laughs) like like this this whole sequence it's a little hard to follow the action to, to orient yourself where everyone is to really appreciate what is like this almost magical moment but it still works.
1: I think it's intentionally like that, though. I think yeah. it's I think it's I think it's supposed to look unbelievable because because then the movie apologizes for it. It's it's the most on the nose thing when when it's over, um, <laughs> when it's when it's over, why it's not in the next scene. And Texas Jack says, where's Wyatt? I haven't seen him. And Doc says he's down by the creek walking on water. <laughs> he just did this miracle they're like i've never seen anything and then texas jack i've never seen anything like that nobody i've never even heard of anything like that it's literally them being aware that what just happened is it's just stupid. impossible yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, you know that's there, there's there's only 20 minutes left in the movie so just go with it because we don't have time and that's kind of i mean i'm talking about it like saying it sounds like that's stupid But I assure you, I just watched this movie last night yet again for like, I don't know, probably the 15th or 20th time in my life. And I loved every second of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and I get it. It's uh, like it is a good Western Uh, and and it has some issues that we're talking through. You really don't. It doesn't bother you while you're watching it. Not not at all.
1: And in fact, like, I mean, uh, it is it is sexist because it's sexist because it's about uh, it's about absolute manly macho men it is the definition of toxic masculinity in the 1880s and the movie doesn't apologize for it it does kind of hand wave it away as a yeah this is just how the men were right like there. just
0: enough acknowledgement that we know yeah <laughs> like it, this is 1993 <laughs> we, we kind of know
1: right right <laughs> and, it, and it's kind of saying i mean it's, it's like the film one of the things that, that's very clear is the wives always walk together and the husbands always walk together mm-hmm. and you know they've There's got like the relationships one
0: scene early on yeah. <laughs> where where like they they stop and say here's your pairings this one with this one this one with this one this one with this one at a group right. shot and they stop and make sure the audience drinks this in yeah but then they're really not going to no. show those pairings very much the rest of the way the rest of it is the men with the men and the women with the women
1: and you're and you kind of go oh okay they they mostly lead separate lives except that like i guess they live together i guess
0: (laughs) but but we never see a domestic space really (laughs) uh like the women are hanging out in a domestic space when a gunman comes but we never they're together the men are rarely the men are there they're at they're
1: at maddie's house when um they're when or no i i think they're actually at um virgil's house i'm not sure it's not even clear because you don't see them at home very often but the women are together at one of the houses and the men aren't there; they're off elsewhere. <laughs> so, so it's like uh, they're well, not- they're off elsewhere, getting shot in this. Yeah. case <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it, and it's it is uh, it is such a I, I get it. Like I get why the academy didn't want to look at it because it just feels like a formulaic ref- western. But I think this is like sort of the brilliance of doing something. With this heavy of genre, because I really do feel like this is a movie that wants to sort of cut through the veneer of what we now call toxic masculinity. That wasn't like really a term in 1993, but it knows that they're bad people um, like when 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 Maddie has enough of Wyatt and basically tells him off for being an absentee husband who is cheating on her. She's like, I know, I see you with that mm-hmm. actress. I are, are you trying to, you know, and, and Wyatt's like, well, you're doing drugs. And she's like, yeah, because of you. You know, she's like, she basically blames it on him and it's a hard scene and you don't feel sorry for Wyatt in that moment. You feel sorry for Maddie because Wyatt is clearly wrong. So the movie knows, but the movie yeah. is trying to tell you that even the worst of people, of men, I should say, not even people, the worst of men, can still have a brotherly bond, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. te- it's trying to tell you that it's okay for dudes to have relationships.
0: Yeah. And, and when I, we talked a little earlier, I'm like, ah, so much of the film seems to want me to view Wyatt unproblematically as yeah. the hero of the story. Yet it gives us these scenes where it's like, Wyatt, you are not choosing no good, you know, <laughs> a, good, a good path right here. Yeah. You've, he I, I think wrong this choices is why. Constantly, constantly. Yeah. This is what you're, what you're getting at is like, this is the, the film uh, on the one hand, being so surface level in in the, who we're supposed to like and who we're supposed to not. But it is also surface level in saying, don't like him too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it, we're going to be very on the nose and telling you, don't don't get too attached to this man as uh, the classic unproblematic hero because we're going to point out there's some problematic parts here. And yet we get invested in the relationships. We want to see, like, we enjoy the action scenes. And I really do love the Wyatt-Doc friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is, it is the highlight of the film. Mhm uh, and, and, you
1: know. and I think I I think I think Russell Kurt Russell does a great job in this in this movie but every everything that Val Kilmer does is gold throughout this film every mm-hmm. second that he's on screen um and I think he's the one he really sells the relationship um and he I think he drags Kurt Russell up to his level in in a way because uh Wyatt in many ways is A complete stoic. Wyatt doesn't want to show emotion, but Mm -hmm. you can see it in the last scene where where Doc is clearly dying. This is it, and Wyatt's like, "I'm going to come here and I'm going to play cards with my friend on his deathbed." And Doc's trying to get rid of him, and you can just the way that Wyatt looks at Doc you can see love in Kurt Russell's eyes. You can see that these are men who love each other and that he is sad that he's losing his best friend. And, um, you know, and there are, you know, when there's a point where um, uh, uh, Morgan's dying or Morgan might actually, I think it has died and Virgil has been shot and is losing the use of his arm. And he, and Wyatt is you know, he's fine physically but he's emotionally traumatized and he's and he's asking Virgil Virgil what do I do what do I do and Virgil's and and Virgil's like I, I don't know Wyatt I'm, I'm in pain here I'm yeah. <laughs> you know I'm like, like I'm in I, surgery I like, do I'm I, I, I right. on the operating table right, right. now <laughs> and then and then why and then why it's like yeah but I'll go do you want me to go get him, you want? and then finally Ali Virgil's wife has to turn to him and, and she just says he doesn't want to talk to you right now Wyatt And then that and there's and that's the moment where Wyatt turns and looks at Maddie, who he's his relationship with her is already deteriorated. And there's just this moment of Wyatt Earp is alone and he doesn't know what to do. And it's and, and that's where you see all these bad choices has sort of complicated his life he has you know he has thrown everything away and he's isolated because the two people that he's put you know everything was for his brothers and one of those brothers is now dead and the other one is in serious trouble you know in critical condition and he just doesn't know where to go so that's when he decides i guess it's going to be about revenge it's in that moment and it, it it feels visceral and it feels real um and Probably it's also making a bad decision again. Yeah, but so I was gonna movie- say
0: it also feels like you know this isn't the right path. Right. Uh, we understand why you're about to choose it, but yes, this is another bad choice. one it are- better. It's
1: another bad choice where people are going to die, good people and bad people, and also I wonder, and not necessarily in real life, in terms of the movie, in the world that they've constructed, he doesn't. He's out of options. Curly Bill killed somebody in the middle of in the middle of town square and and just walks away with it because like clearly the cowboys are running law enforcement. Um, and Virgil tried to clean it up and now this is Wyatt realizing that, you know, if not me, then who? So it's kind of his Batman moment, I guess. Like you know, I you know, or his Spider Man with great power, great responsibility kind of thing. Because this has been a movie where most of the movie he allowed he allowed Virgil to deputize him, um for the okay corral incident but most of the movie up until then this has been Wyatt saying I don't want to get involved I don't want to get involved I don't want to get involved and then bad things keep happening anyway he doesn't want to get involved and that's how um that's how Fred White the marshal gets killed um Fred White by the way was the one who was played by um Harry Carey Jr the son of the real Wyatt Earp's friend um in real life Fred White was 31 when he died well, he's,
0: uh, he's an old man in this yeah 60
1: yeah Harry Carey Jr. was was 62 by the time they made this movie so he's, he's just an old man but, but he's supposed to be a 31 year old guy but, but I, I I like that choice
0: actually in terms yeah. of the the sense of weight and tragedy that it gives <laughs> I, it's, it's just different in that um, if it was a young man there'd be tragedy about all the life that he didn't live so it's not like you could do that without tragedy but yeah. having the old man who's kind of like uh there's a sense three of three days like, from retirement, yeah, yeah, and there's <laughs> there's no one who's going to do this, and it's my job, mm-hmm. uh and I know I'm probably going to die,, mm-hmm. but it's my job, uh and like you said, like, you get kind of that three days from retirement <laughs> uh, and, uh, and why
1: it sends them out I mean, Curly Bill is a man in the middle of a drug fit, just wandering around shooting guns off in the middle of town square, and why it's like not my problem. And and that's when Fred White's like, like he, he's like, he's right. It's it's my job. I guess I'll do it. And they're and they're like, you know, to Fred, Fred's clearly going to die here. <laughs> like you're like, what? He cannot go take this guy. Um, there is um, that is also one little element of this film that I like a little bit of historic accuracy. There are there are gunfights in this movie. There are you know duels. Um, but the movie, unlike most westerns doesn't treat it like it doesn't matter. So when when there's a uh early on in the film, you see a moment where Turkey Creek and um and um and Cactus get into a, um a gunfight with just like some um some some random guys. And um and or oh, sorry, Texas uh Texas Jack and, and, C- and Turkey Creek get into a fight with some random guys and rather than um rather than it just not mattering Fred says, Well, you know, gotta take your guns. And it's like, Oh, it's a fair fight, Marshall. It's like, yeah, it probably was, but you know, that's for the judge to decide. It's there are consequences in this world. Mm-hmm. The consequences just don't apply to the Cowboys.
0: Well, and that gets made uh well, the Cowboys or the ERPs. Or the wait, Earps eventually. like yeah. wait, Like they're after the the gunfight at the OK Corral. Um <laughs> Oh, who's I'm sorry. The, b- the buffoon, Behan. yeah, Behan. Yes.
1: yeah. Behan's like, ah, this is. A, you're all under arrest. And Invite says, yeah, Behan. I don't think I'm going to allow you to arrest us today.
0: And and that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Yes. <laughs> uh, and like uh, the the pacing of the film kind of surprised me because I thought the, uh, I mean, just because of lore, I assumed the big finale was going to be the OK crowd,
1: uh, yeah.
0: and it comes more middle of the film and, yeah and i was kind of like i like i even paused and i'm like there's still a lot of movie left yeah <laughs> it's,
1: it's <laughs> the end of the first it's the end of the it's pr- i mean i would say it's the end of the first act is the um so one of this is the transition to the second act, or to yeah. the final act i think is is the okay corral like that's well. the finale I I would I would say it's I would say that the second act act is very very short because I think okay. the end game starts the I, I'd say the third act starts when Morgan gets shot so okay, I yeah, think there's you, a little you know the film better than me I yeah it's seen it's, all it's, of compl- it's but it's weird right because one of so Kevin Jarry said in, in, and <laughs> said in in um in interviews and stuff what he wanted to do with this film is he you know there's been other versions of the shootout of the OK Corral I believe. Um, Kurt Russell's father might actually star in one, but, but, um, but, um, the, the natural thing is obviously this is the famous thing that happened in Wyatt's life is the shootout at the okay corral. Um, and jar said that that's the obvious end to the movie. So he's like, but what if that's the start of the story? And that was Uh like – and that's how he approached it. Now, again, the fallout with Costner was Costner was like, no, that's just the middle of his life. I want to do his entire life. And he's like, no, no, that's not the right way to go. But like that's where – but like the idea behind this is this is a massive gun battle in the middle of town. There should be consequences to that. So what were the consequences? And there was. There was this massive – it's called the Erp Vendetta. There's this massive thing where he just spends the next several years hunting down every member of this gang. So – like let's talk about that and let's talk about why morgan dies Mm -hmm. you know so
0: all right mav this has been a great conversation (laughs) uh i've really enjoyed dissecting (laughs) this film with you do you have any final thoughts on tombstone you want to make sure you get into this podcast before we wrap up
1: go see it i i i always feel like i'm underselling it it's hard because it feels like it feels like it's a guy movie and it is and i think i said before it's my mom's favorite movie Um, Mm -hmm. part of that is that she has a crush on Val Kilmer, um, but also... If she has a crush on
0: Val Kilmer in this role, that is a deep crush, because he does not look good. No, no! (laughs) The makeup (laughs) is making him look so, like... A z- either a zombie who's just risen from the grave or a man on death door about to step into the grave the entire film
1: <laughs> he is so sick and it's it's i mean and he's clearly lost weight for the role as well as mm-hmm. the makeup and oh yeah if you've seen him in to- uh
0: in like mm-hmm. that man he looks so different as bruce wayne mm-hmm.
1: when he's bulked mm-hmm. out and he's you know he's got tuberculosis and and that's like what, what it's supposed to be which at the so in 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 modern times, tuberculosis is is a survivable and still tragic illness. My brother had it when when we were kids my brother um had had tuberculosis and he's he lived but it's I remember that growing up and it's hard so um the so it's sort of something that I knew when i when I saw the film and this is a death sentence for him. He knows he's on borrowed time and, you know, and I think it's just, it's touching that this is how he's going to use his time. So go see it. Even though it sounds like I, I'm sure everybody's thinking this can't possibly be for me. You're going to have people who are like, this seems so dumb. And it, it kind of is in some ways, but it doesn't matter. It's it's really yeah, really good. and
0: uh, <laughs> I mean it, it earns its R rating with some of the violence in the montages. Yeah, uh, more than I think. I think there's one f bomb that Val Kilmer delivers with. P'nash. Yeah, there's uh, there's and yeah, then, and
1: there's a couple. There's um there's a there's several dams. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would uh, say the rest of the, like the language it's is all about PG-13, the thirteen and
0: the way it deals with sex <laughs> is all PG 13, but there yeah. is, uh, at the end, they so start much to murder. get a, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like early on, a lot of the gun violence, it is kind of like PG 13 star Wars level violence where like people get shot and they throw mm-hmm. themselves back against the wall. When they get into the montages, they were they were exploring their blood packets a little. <laughs> and yeah. like Hey, wh- wh- what do we? Well, have yeah. This? Even when the
1: <laughs> when the priest dies in like the first scene, it's a it's a it's an old west style gun battle where you get the guy gets shot and he falls over. You know. So yeah. But yeah, towards the end, you're seeing vicious executions, and it's it's a, it's a lot. I get it. I mean, I I get mm-hmm. why. Um, I I I would certainly not argue that this should be lower than an R rating, mm-hmm. but I would say. It's a soft R. It's
0: also a tolerable <laughs> R rating, where some some R rating, yeah. like films that are rated R for violence, is like, no, you really need to be comfortable with violence to watch this one. This right, this like, is not ah, John you Wick. Know.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is not John Wick. <laughs> this is a soft R,
0: I would say. Uh-huh. It's
1: a, but it's not a hard PG-13.
0: It's a, it's mm-hmm. a soft R. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, thank you again for joining us on this episode. Uh, listeners, thank you for downloading for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows. You can go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Toftu who composed our theme music. Mav, what would you like to plug? I know you have many options. Uh, I have. On uh, the
1: week. Yes. <laughs> come, <laughs> come listen to me on all my podcasts. My, I, I only have two podcasts that I, that I listen, that, I, that I'm on normally, which are uh, Gosh Golly Wow, which is a deep dive into the 1990s comic book series Excalibur um, that we do one issue every week. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's a that's a that's a very academic look. It's a close reading of um, one of my all time favorite comics. And then my other show is the Vox Popcast, which is a uh, it's a show about pop culture, and it's a v- different topic every week. And me and a panel of regular hosts and semi-regular and sometimes fresh new guests we all we we attack a different pop culture topic every week and we do a, a deep analysis of uh, a pop culture roundtable with drinking and swearing <laughs> um, it is it is a very casual conversation of very smart folk academic folk um, analyzing some topic every week
0: All right, well, listeners, I do recommend that you uh, check out Mav's other podcasts. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long.
1: Yeah, mastering me for a year plus. <laughs> it's one of my all time favorites.